Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red flood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Brucott to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans, from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the See You at the Game website, and I'd like to welcome you to a special episode of the See You at the Game podcast. Today we're talking with Sean Tufts, linebacker for the Buffs from 2000 to 2003. Sean was not only on the field for the 2001-62-36 win over Nebraska, he tackled Cornhusker quarterback Eric Crouch for a loss on the very first play from scrimmage, setting the tone for a memorable day for the Buff Nation. Sean was a three-year starter for the Buffs and was captain for the 2003 team, finishing with 95 tackles his senior season. Sean was then drafted by the Carolina Panthers and played three seasons in the NFL before returning to Boulder to pursue a Master's in Business Administration. While working on his MBA, Sean found time to be selected as class president and also became one of only two Buffs in CU history to not only play for the Buff football team, but also to serve as a Ralphie handler. It was my great pleasure to talk with Sean about the 2001 Nebraska game, his experiences on the field as a buff and as a Carolina Panther, and to hear about his time working with Ralphie. But I also wanted to talk with Sean because of one of his current pursuits, and that is that of president of the Buffs for Life Foundation. Buffs for Life is now 15 years old and has raised over $750,000 to assist former Buffs and their families, and I wanted to help Sean get the word out about the Foundation and its efforts. I also wanted to help promote the Foundation's major fundraiser, which normally takes place on the last weekend of June, which includes a 5K fun run and a golf tournament. Now, as we speak, it's unclear whether this year's tournament will be going on in June or will have to be postponed or even canceled. I will make sure to post on the See You at the Game website any details about the status of these events. In the meantime, I hope you'll take a listen as I talk with Sean about the Buffs for Life Foundation, its good works, as well as some reminiscing about his days as Buff linebacker, his respect for Kansas State, and his hatred for all things Nebraska and Texas. Here's my conversation with Sean Tufts. 
welcome and you know tell us who you are and what you're doing with Buffs for Life. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, Sean Tufts played linebacker at CU. Let's see, I left in 2004. Came back for a couple of years and, and ran Ralphie twice. So was in my a, uh, in business school up there. So my MBA was 11. I have a weird letter jacket. It has four letters for football and then two letters for cheerleading because the Ralphie program is technically on the spirit team. So I think I'm one of the few that have that specific uh, chess pattern. If, if I'm not mistaken, I think you're the only one that's actually run with Ralph Bale, a former football player. Is that the old, you're the yep. only one that has that distinction? Uh, Tyler Sales went the other way. He went from Ralphie to football. I went from football to oh, Ralphie. Okay. So there's one other out there. Okay. Yep. So you have an exclusive club all your own. Exclusive club, yes. Very small. <laughs> so how did you get involved with uh, Buffs for Life? Uh, my wife dragged me in. <laughs> uh Bus for Life is a organization that focuses on all sports at CU, not just football. Uh, my wife played soccer up there in 2004, which is where we met, and uh, she was the one that created the fun run. Actually, in our in our uh, uh, big weekend, has a fun run and a golf tournament, and she was the pilot of the fun run. And I believe Bus for Life is now 15 years old. Yeah, this is our 15th year. 15th year. Wow. Yeah. And. Why was it started? Who started it? I mean, Anthony Witherspoon. I mean, what was the the basis for the starting Bus for Life? Yep, it started with the with Anthony Witherspoon's family. Um, he passed away, and and everyone kind of looked around and was like, you know what? We need to do something better, right? You know, we can all come together and, and do a little fun run here, a little something there, but we think there's more here. Our community is so strong. What what can we do be doing that's better? And uh, Embry was really the kind of driving part of it. Um, got together a couple people and, and started up the program. So we've raised um, over $750,000 and given all that back out in one form or another to former athletes. And is mental health one of the major forces, or is it the only force, or what is the... What is the criteria for helping other buffs? Yep. Uh, the criteria changed a little bit ago, uh, two, three years ago. In, let's see, about a three-month span, we lost Rashawn Salam to suicide, and then also one of my teammates, Drew Walrus, to suicide. That's not an uncommon thing. So about that time, we really had our eyes opened, unfortunately, forcefully, that mental health is a thing that, that a lot of guys are struggling with. So we pivoted really hard. Uh, historically, it's been mostly kind of a, a medical backstop or hardship financing vehicle. Um, now we're trying to be a little more proactive. Right? We're trying to get in front of people before their last day and head off some easy pitfalls before they become too big. And I think you mentioned that it had personally affected you. You had a, a teammate that lost his life and had an impact on your interest in putting time into this foundation, this organization. Yep. That was my big uh, kind of moment where I knew I had to get more involved, right? I think there's a common grief pattern where you've got some months of activity after something bad happens and then it kind of trails off, right? And I was in the middle of that grief pattern when I talked to some people that were close to Rashawn and they were kind of a couple months ahead of me. And I wanted to make sure we we memorialized something that was stronger than that standard pattern, right? So we made a real effort to get in front of four critical areas. Career services, because we know people always struggle with, with job titles, um, family health, whether it's divorces, you know, 
issues with children, that kind of stuff. Um, physical health, obviously, football and other sports take a toll on the body. And then substance abuse. Um, those are the four pillars that are under, underneath our mental health campaign. Our thought process is every severe mental health category or issue will at some point touch one or more of those topics, right? So if we can start tracking those things before they're a problem, then I think we're we're closer to an intervention or to a, a interaction. Okay. And I believe I read that you have team captains that have certain teammates or certain periods of time or like the 2000 to 2005 or 1990 to 1995 or something along those lines where what do the, what's the, what do the team captains do? Yeah, so we... We identified early that the commonality and the brotherhood or sisterhood that exists inside of sports are are not because of the logo, the location, or even the success of your team. It's based on the, the people, right? The people that you were partners with, that you were close with. And by localizing that support, we found we can get, number one, better knowledge from asking their close friends. And number two, there's people in your life that can have hard conversations and there's people who can't. A stranger can't, right? So we're trying to find people who are close to each other and support them in the support of the athlete. So we've got this team ca uh, team captain structure where we're using them as eyes and ears. We're using them as a, a bi-directional information, right? Bringing us back information, number one. But number two, also empowering them to get help to the right people, to like get help, <laughs> services for help, to the right people who can be impactful. And you've seen that in action. We have, yeah. yeah. It's Our program's working, I think. I think our program is hard, right? There's Whenever we get involved in cases, it's typically, you know, someone's really, really bad day, and trying to help and support that is a challenge. But I know for a fact that we've had positive interactions in the last two and a half, three years, you know, it's always tough to say how important that was at the time, but you know it's always nice to know someone's out there supporting you. Buffs for Life has a, a hotline or a call center, or I guess maybe it's directed to a, a call center. But. Yep. Uh, we white-labeled the Colorado Crisis Line. We went down there and trained their teams. There, There's a, a call center here locally in Colorado. All the people are exist in one room. They have support contracts all throughout the state with military organizations, fire departments, all that kind of stuff. We took our board down and said, hey, here's what athletes face. Here's why we're different. Here's when you pick up a phone and answer a bus for life, the things you need to know before you start. So we did an in-depth training with them, actually two of them, just to talk about why we're different. And you know what? In many places where we're different, we're also the same, right? Firefighters face a lot of the same issues we do. So does the military. So that group's really well trained to to act appropriately, and I think uh, it's a big it's a big strong tool for us to to show we care. Have you gotten feedback from them? As that they are they tracking how many calls they've gotten that come through your phone number or through that the bus for life? Have you got feedback from them saying yes, we've talked to people or we've had interactions with people that have contacted us through your foundation? Yep, uh, we have. I'll obviously keep some of that data. You know, yeah, not, not, um, yeah, specific names, but just it's raw utilized. numbers. Yeah. It's utilized in some cases in very important times. In some cases, just, hey, I'm concerned about this, and that's what it's there for. It's it's a crisis line, and there's no definition of crisis, right? So people have called it on just some questions. I've called it. 
asking questions about something I was no. concerned about. I'm not an expert in mental health. Um, no one is. So, yeah, it's there for the CU community to use. And if you have a question, hey, I'm concerned about this, I'm seeing this activity, I don't know if it's important, that's the right use for that number. And they'll give you their resources. It's also the right the right number when someone's really, really desperate and lonely and reaching out or not reaching out. Um, so we hand that number out a lot, too, and say, hey, you should call this. You know, you can talk to me and have that personal interaction, but maybe there's another voice that you'd like to hear. So we give it out a lot, too. Okay. Now, I'm not officially aligned with the University of Colorado, but the University of Colorado has been taking the lead in mental health initiatives or at least research or being aware what, how does Bus for Life interact with the University of Colorado proper, I yep. guess? Yeah, we're a buffalo in the herd, um, so there's a lot of activity up there. We work really closely with Rick George, with a couple members of the staff up there, um, you know, Mel, everybody else. Um, Seal Berry is always very, uh, she's aware of our services and helps us get to the, you know, the female sports and the Olympic sports. Yeah, there's a lot of activity in mental health. I think... We obviously are sector-focused on just athletes, which is fine. If we can be a encouraging model, right? You know, even these tough guys that bang into each other all day that are seemingly invincible in their 2022, they need to be reaching out for help too, right? And if those tough guys can do it, you can too, right? So I think in some ways we're a, a model of both great and imperfect behavior. So eh, maybe that's normalizing, I guess. I don't yeah. know. And it's... I think it's sometimes hard for just fans like myself where I'll see somebody who was a you know, star linebacker, all the accolades, you know, people know you, you're a big, big man on campus, literally. Whereas 15 years from now, you don't have that team, that camaraderie. You're out in the world with everybody else, and there's perhaps some different special needs there in terms of adjustment or that fans won't say it's like well wait a second come on you got all these accolades you've had 50,000 people cheering for you I mean you got a scholarship you got you know all this wonderful things happening in your world how could you possibly have any come down from that because you you had a wonderful collegiate existence where I was the dorms trying to get a date and there is a a, a come down from that for a lot of athletes that go from being a center of attention, if you will, and having lots of support, whether it's nutrition or weight training or making sure they go to class or whatever to, well, now you're, you're on your own and that there's, there's a potential there for some issues. Identity is the big, uh, the big boogeyman. We've acronymed and specifically the football teams have acronymed our own demon with CTE. My personal opinion, not the opinion of my board, not the opinion of us for life or anything else. The CTE is like oxygen to a fire, right? It, it, it makes it burn hotter. You're less elastic to problems. Identity is a bigger issue, I think, and, and one that's not talked about enough. When your whole life you're treated as a, a bigger than life, as invincible, as you know, you can bury some small things because the big things are so great, right? When you're no longer that person, right? When your outlet for that, when your reason for attention is taken away and you have to redefine yourself at 22, that's, that's hard. I functionally submitted retirement paperwork at the age of 23 years old. I retired. I signed a paper that said, I retire. And this was from the NFL. And I was thinking like, okay, what do I do next? Right? I'm, 
I'm barely old enough to drink at this point, and I'm retired. Okay, what does that mean, right? And look, I had a small career in the NFL. Some others of us have had really big ones, but it still ends. And you still have to redefine yourself quickly at an age where most people are starting to define themselves. So how do you make sure that your athletic achievements are additive, right? Sports will always be either a lever or a crutch. It'll be the best thing you ever did that holds you back, or it'll propel you into something much greater. And that's a hard thing to balance. Very good. And the Buffs for Life board is former buffs um, in one form or another. And you've got some heavy hitters on that board. We do, yes. Some of those... uh, you want to name names so yeah, sure. the people our, our board can identify. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're represented by basketball, golf, soccer, women's soccer. Uh, what else do we got? Football. There's a couple other sports on there. Now I'm missing somebody. I'm gonna get a nasty email. But also Gary Barnett, Brian Cabral are, are on the board. Lisa Van Gore is is in the Hall of Fame at CU. She's been heavily involved. Lance Carl, um, Joe McCreary, Dave Thistle, those are all kind of our, some of our legacy board members. Um, but we've got some younger people like Bo Gamble, right? He was basketball very recently. Um, Bobby Pesaveno, Dan Graham, Pat Diveny is on the board. He's a younger athlete. So, yeah, we're about 18 of us. And the beauty part of that is it's all volunteer, right? I think with that big board and some of the names on it, we can connect very quickly to important health resources and and also into most of our athlete community pretty quickly. And then we extend that further with that team captain idea. And that really helps us get um, quick information and quick, quick interactions, which is okay. Now, the board, you know, all volunteer, but there obviously are dollars involved in running this type of an organization. Yep. And you have a major fundraiser every summer. Yeah. Tell us about the... The golf tournament. Yeah, the golf tournament, the whole weekend. We've got three events that happen all in uh, late June, last weekend of June. Yes. Yes. Uh, We have a barbecue and silent auction that's mostly directed towards former athletes. We've got a golf tournament that anyone can play in. Um, That's probably our seminal activity. And when you say anyone, they mean anyone like me who... (laughs) <laughs> who cannot play? Well, golf's not yeah. a cheap golf's not a cheap hobby anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, anyone can play and join and, and develop a foursome. We try to have every card will have four golfers and then one um, CU celebrity. We call them. So mm-hmm. we've got you know Pesaveno and Dan Graham will be golfing. We've got um, a lot of legacy athletes that at one point you cheered for that'll be riding shoulder to shoulder with you. And I can speak personally. I made a little. Last year was OC Oliver was yeah. our celebrity. I got to play with Joel Klatt um, a few years back, and, and you get lots of swag. Um, lots of swag. I, I mean, I have duffel bag that um, I used to come down for CU weekends. I got years ago <laughs> as a gift for you know being part of the golf tournament and got nice golf shoes last year. Yeah. And so And three meals, four meals, really. I mean, you've got the barbecue that's on Sunday. Yep. And then breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know, and that's before the 5K. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, athletes are good at swag, and I think we like to contribute. Looking, If you look good, you feel good, right? Yeah. If you look good, you play good. That does not help my golf game at all. And you don't have to, uh, again, I can testify to this. You do, I mean, you do not have to have a great foursome. As long as our goal was not to finish last, and we didn't finish last, you know, so we met our goal, but... 
you can have a, a very good time without having to compete for top honors at a golf tournament like that. I would say that me and Dan Graham are competing actively for the worst golfer on the course. It, it's a running. I try to bring only three clubs and 18 balls, and when I'm out of balls, I just stop playing. <laughs> Which is somewhere around the back nine, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> There's a Buffs for Life website Yep. where people can go and register for the golf tournament. They can play as a single. I played as a single one year. Yep. And you don't have to have a team necessarily, but if you have a couple guys, you'll pair them up with other people. And yep. Yeah, and you know, we try to have fun on the course. That's the point. Um, yeah. The point's to spread good cheer and, and, and have some camaraderie and some fun. Um, it's not, it's competitive, and there's certainly some uh, some live wires in there on the competition front. Um, we've been known to have foot races and other competitions that'll spark up around the uh, the golf tournament. But yeah, it's all for fun. And the second the second piece of fun is the, that next day, that Sunday, there's a 5K as well. Um, and that is anybody. It's one. It's run, walk. It's uh, it's it's families. It's strollers. It's competitive runners. It goes all throughout CU's campus. The Kyle McIntosh Memorial Fun Run. He was a, a long distance runner at CU that, that passed away from cancer a couple of years ago. And, and yeah, that one's always mm-hmm. a, a a really fun event. We get about 500 people running through campus for. And maybe I mixed it. Is that the 5K that actually has a designated beneficiary yep. each year. Yep. Um, do you know who that is for this year? Has that been... Uh, it's not been term- announced yet, no. Okay. Yeah, both the golf tournament will go to one specific cause, whether it's a, a fundraiser for a local event um, oh. or for a person in need. And the fun runs always... We try to gear it towards women in Olympic sports. So we've had some proceeds go to volleyball players, women's basketball. Last year we went to the TJ Cunningham family. And we started up a, uh, a college fund for his five daughters he left behind. So that was really personal, I think. Yeah. He, he was one of our team captains as well. If you don't remember, he, had, he was a principal at Hinkley High School and was murdered. And he was a buff. And that was terrible. We're trying to do our part as brothers to, to help make sure his family goes to college and has everything he needs. Okay. And to participate in the golf tournament, to uh, participate in the fun run, or just to find out more about Buzz for Life or to donate, you don't have to, part- you know, you can donate, obviously. There's, just go to buzzforlife.org and everything is right there. Yep. Buffs for the letter, number four, life.org. Yep. Okay. Now, can I talk to you a little bit about football? Yeah. Your football career? Yep. Um, most people don't realize this. I don't think that you get enough credit for being the guy that won the Nebraska game in 2001. I mean, the first play of the game. Certainly won that first play. First play of the game, Eric Crouch goes for a run. You tackle him for a loss. Set the tone for the entire game. So, you know, there there are those that give Chris Brown his six touchdowns a lot of accolades, but they don't realize that it was actually Sean Tufts that actually won the 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 six touchdowns didn't hurt. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't hurt. Dan Graham and Bobby Purify had a couple in there, too. I will never forget coming off that field when it was 21 to three, I think. And my roommate and, and close friend still is Matt McChesney. He goes down a lot of CU record books. He and I came in as the local guys from Colorado, right? And we always wanted to beat Nebraska. And I came over and I was like, "Hey, man, are we are we doing this? Is it 21 to three? And he says, "If you say that score again, I'm going to punch you in the face." And then he just punched me in the face because he wanted to. <laughs> well, and. And, you know, growing up in you is five years of losses to Nebraska by a total of 15 points. So there was a, a lot of pent-up 
That was only your sophomore year, I think. Yep. You know, yeah. So you weren't around for some of those other frustrating losses, but you were. Oh, we lost aware. in Lincoln to a squib kick the year before. Yeah, that one was heartbreaking. Um, so there was a lot of frustration taken out on on that field that day. There was, yeah. Do you remember the celebration in the either on the field in the locker room or just the feeling on the sideline during the game? I mean, you talk about the twenty-one three stuff. I mean, I couldn't get back to the locker room. I don't know what happened because the crowd rushed the field, and uh, a couple of my buddies from high school found me. And they picked me up on their shoulders and put me on the goalpost, and then we rode out together. So I didn't get back to the locker room until about an hour and a half after the game. <laughs> Everyone else was leaving and showered, and I was walking in. <laughs> wow. I mean, well, my my story from the game, and any CU fan of how that duration at this point, that's a, a seminal. That, I mean, 2010-1986 is a marker for me because I'm that old, but 62-36 is certainly you know one of those games. And I remember we had some, we had four season tickets and a couple of friends were going with us to the game and obviously they had to sit in the bowl somewhere and we said, well, where do you want to meet up after the game? And I am, most of my friends know me as a glass half empty okay. kind of fan. You know, it's like I can find a reason to worry about, you know, Sacramento State or Montana State and, you know, look what happens, you know, yeah. that type of thing. That was for, you. That was your negative energy my, with those that, two? Well, I'm still living with that. Uh, you're not the only one. 14 <laughs> years later, I mean, I live in Bozeman, Montana, home of Montana State. And mm. driving around with the car that license plate is Ralphie, you kind of put the bullet, you know, target right on your back. But normally, you know, I'm, I'm very concerned about any game, much less a game against the number one BCS team in the country. And they said, well, where do you want to meet up after the game? And we actually end up at... Fred Bradford's tailgate, but oh, yeah. um, I said it on the 20-yard line. There was just <laughs> there something go. about that day and that game. It was just like, I, I think we're going to be on the field. And uh, still have the picture framed in the office, you know, that with the scoreboard in the background. That were there other? I mean, you had other division champions that you were a part of. What other games stand out to you in your your CU career, what other stories do you uh, tell uh, people about your career? You know, I missed the Big 12 a little bit because Kansas State was always a great game. And it was probably because I was a, an in-the-box linebacker, right? Not real pass coverage heavy. So that K-State game was always really physical. And they were always in the – it was Nebraska, Austin, K-State my whole time we were there for that top seed. And, you know, there was a couple top ten matchups with us. And, and those games were always really, really physical – and you left bloodied and battered, and someone would win. We got the better of them more often than not. I'll never forget Donald Strickland knocking them out on the uh, fourth and ten, maybe fourth and three, right in the end zone for them to take the lead at the end of the game. And that was a big, big play. And anytime you could beat Texas, man, I hate Texas. I, there's very few schools I dislike. There's an arrogance that Texas knows they have, and that's fine. And I think it annoys everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so then. Nebraska game, 62-36, beating Texas then for the Big 12 championship. Where did beating te- does beating Texas rank higher on your? Because that was a an unlikely victory as well. Yeah, we were the underdogs in that one. Everybody in that visitor section in Texas Stadium that day is. I think I've met everyone actually. I think I've met them all. There was. Were you there? No. Okay. Was, there was maybe a thousand people out of seventy-five. Now it's forty-five thousand. Yeah. 
Yeah, there was a small contingent of them down there that thought we were going to beat them. And that team was stacked from a talent perspective. A lot of that team went to the NFL. And, you know, when they got off the bus, you noticed, right? Their line was all 6'7", 6'8", 300 and whatever pounds. <laughs> and it was a David and Goliath scenario. And, you know, we, we came out really, really sharp in that opening drive. In the first two quarters, we took it to them. They battled back in the third, and it turned into a real game. Yeah, there was some white knuckling at the end there, but uh, last minute, you know, when Daniel Graham fell on the onside kick, it was like, okay, now we now we know it's going to be 39-37. It's not going to be something that slips away at the end. You know, we didn't. I don't think we breathed calmly until we got home. I think I think it took <laughs> us that long to calm down from that game. So. Again, which one ranks higher for you personally, being Big 12 champion, beating Texas basically on a, in a road game, or being Nebraska at home by such a wide margin? Oh, Nebraska by okay. a long shot, yeah. yeah. Uh, I still see license plates that have 62 or 36 on them. And, yeah. you know, there's a little code there, right? right? Yeah. That's... And, yeah, that was a special one for, I think, a lot of people. Indeed. Especially their crouch winning the Heisman two weeks later. and Yeah. You know, that first play was... Uh, you mentioned it, that first play, I sat Crouch on, a, on an option play. And and if you watch it now, you'll see I spin around a couple times after I tackle him. Well, I grabbed his face mask, and I stuck my hand kind of right in his collar. So when I'm spinning around, I'm trying to decide, and my, my celebration is really weird and kind of muted. I'm trying to decide to celebrate because I'm looking for flags. That's why I'm spinning around. <laughs> Did I just mess up the first play of the Nebraska game? I didn't grab his face mask, yes. but they could have easily thrown one on it because I got inside his collar. But... And then you, as they say, had a cup of coffee in the NFL. Yeah. What is a what is an NFL locker room compared to the CU locker room? What's the camaraderie? I mean, it's a bu- I mean, it's it's a business. I mean, at the collegiate level, at power five level, it's a business. But I mean, it's a different different deal. It's truly corporate in the NFL. Yeah. In college, you come in with twenty guys, and those guys are going to be in your wedding, right? right? A couple of them. You form a bond there that's unique. Right, everyone's coming in on the same foot. You get the same time frame. You're all treated the same. Your draft class in the NFL. Let's see. I got. I was in the sixth round, so I was like almost a free agent, right? And my draft class, some guy got a check for seven million the same day. I got a check for a hundred dollars, right? So it's a bit different, and the investment they make in those players is different, and the expectations are different, right? You're you're a tool for them. And when you use up your usable life, they're going to find someone new. So there's a little bit of a different attitude there. Now, I'm very well aware I never cracked into this kind of core group of players, right? And, you know, thinking back to the Denver Super Bowl teams, right? The Elways and the Trell Davises and the Rod Smiths, there's a different echelon there. When you get into that world, it's it's different. There's more camaraderie in that. But I was always kind of scraping on the outside. And then you found your way back to Boulder. Yeah, well, it wasn't okay. hard. I Go. came back as quickly as I could. <laughs> okay. And you got a MBA. Yep, got an MBA. And yeah. rather than becoming part of the crowd, you were class president. Yep. In addition to being a Ralphie Handler. Yep. So you uh, were a star again when you, when you got back to Boulder. Is that a fair to Midland statement? Uh, I think my statement will be I was really happy to come back. You know, football especially as a starter or a linebacker or whatever, it doesn't matter what position you're playing, it's a major time commitment. Mm -hmm. And student-athlete is a really interesting title, right, because of the obligations that are happening. 
I think every person that goes through those programs gets a, an, they should get an honorary PhD in teamwork and leadership because those, those lessons you learn are, are unmatched, right? The experience of living with a, with a loss, right? A very public loss. That's unique. Um, but my, my degree, I don't think I challenged myself. I really, that bugged me. I really wanted to come back and challenge myself academically, challenge myself academically in Boulder. Um, that was really important to me. So when I was looking to get an MBA, I, I only really applied there. And, and I think having Ralphie to show that, hey, I'm back and I was an athlete once, I still kind of am, and I really care about this business degree, I really care about this school, I really care about this community and doing something better here in the Front Range, that was important to me. Well, and you maintain, obviously, your contact with CU and you know the new coaching staff and everything like that. Shifting to, you know, current day, um, maybe it's just, you know, the fact you've got a new coaching staff and there's always some sense of momentum when you've got a new coaching staff and a sense of enthusiasm. But whereas we're going to see preseason magazines, they're going to say, well, see, you went five and seven, five and seven, five and seven. More of the same, last place Pac-12, you know, Pac-12 well, actually was fifth last year, but they'll still say we're still going to be predicted to be last place in the Pac-12 South, losing record. But it seems like there's a different vibe. Oh, the attitude up there is much different. That there's some quiet confidence, that there's some enthusiasm, that there's some something building there. What, you know, having been part of a locker room that won it, Big 12 championship and seeing what you see or what interactions you have with the current coaches and players, what, yeah, you know, to, what do you tell us, you know, little fans out there that have been waiting 15 years now for, you know, CU to come back that, yeah, this time we got it right. You know, I don't know if we have, but I can tell you it feels different. I can tell you looking at the team and how they respond and, and the players on the field and the attitude they're having, those guys are fighting and they're fighting to win. And I think it's all these five-star recruits and four-star recruits, they're nice to have. And obviously you need talent to win, right? Uh, but I want guys that are going to fight for it. I want guys that are going to compete every day and every down. And that's very apparent that we're finding those type of people. So, I would say the telling part, if you can ever go to a practice or watch, you know, players in the, in the walking, walking a class or at an event somewhere, right? I want to find the guy that's, that's competing every single minute, right? I want to find the guy that wants to eat a, or, or win an eating contest. I want to find the guy that wants to get, you know, be the first one to touch a door handle, right? Be the first one to call shotgun. Like, I want to find those guys. And I think we got some of them. I think people up there are really longing to fight and win, and that's what I like. Okay. So just to recap, Bus for Life, the number four dot org. Yep. Anyone that wants to play in the golf tournament, anyone wants to participate in the fun run or just learn more about Bus for Life, go to the website. Yep. And hopefully show up at the I think it's June twenty eighth and twenty ninth yep. this year. Yep. Last week of June. Yep. And uh, yeah, come out and participate. Yeah, it's you know, it's a fun weekend, and if you love CU, it's 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 purpose built for you. So we'll yeah. I mean, just the barbecue, just being able to bump, you know, elbows and be introduced to people that you've seen in uniform, and it's a uh, for a fan, it's a it's a kick. Oh, it's it's the glory day of all glory days that you can come be a part of it and hang out with us, and, and we love we love having the public there and having people that 
you don't want to tell old stories of where they were on the 62 to 36 day and where they were on the 12 to 10 day and yeah we we like hearing back those stories so so come to the event and bring bring your stories with you because we like hearing them too very good thank you for your time yeah thank you Thank you for listening to my conversation with former CU linebacker and Buffs for Life president, Sean Tufts. On the CU at the Game website, there will be a companion banner to this podcast with links to stories referenced in today's podcast. That will, of course, include a link to the video and highlights of the 62-36 Nebraska game, where you can see Sean Tufts taking down Eric Crouch on the game's first play from scrimmage. There will also be links to the Kansas State game with the Donald Strickland tackle and the Texas Big 12 championship game. There will also be a link on the Suit the Game website to the Buffs for Life Foundation website, which is buffsforlife.org, and that's the number four, buffsforlife.org. Again, as we speak, it's unclear when or even if there will be a golf tournament and fun run this summer. If there is a golf tournament, I hope you will join me for the fun. Living in Bozeman, I only get a handful of weekends a year where I get to be surrounded by other buffs, and the Buffs for Life golf weekend is one of my favorites. If you're a Buff fan and want to meet not only Buff greats from the past, but hang out with Buff greats from the past, these are some of your all-time favorite Buffs, and this is the weekend you get to do it. Now, if there isn't a fundraising weekend this summer, it doesn't mean that the need will go away to raise money for Buffs for Life. Arguably, the need to raise funds is going to be even greater in these uncertain times. So organizations like Buffs for Life, which are all about helping people, will need your support even more. If there isn't a golf tournament this year, or if you're not a golf golfer and just want to help out, I urge you to donate to this very worthy cause. When you get the chance, take a look at the Buffs for Life website. You can find ways not only to get Buffs help, but a list of past recipients of help, as well as a list of ongoing projects the Foundation is working on. Again, thank you for listening. I'm just getting started here in the podcast world, so I do need your help in getting the word out. In addition to finding previous podcasts on the See You at the Game website, we're now up on Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and other sites where podcasts are found. I understand that if you get five-star ratings and good reviews on these sites, it helps to make it easier for others to find the podcast. So if you're so inclined, please leave a positive ranking for the podcast. And between the two of us, we can include more fans in the ever-expanding Buff Nation. I hope this podcast finds you and your family healthy and safe. Until next time, go Buffs. Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to seeyouatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game.